Welcome to the Modern Ritual Podcast, where we dive deep into the stories, research, and topics most questioned in men's health. On today's episode, we are joined by Robin Zimmerman. Robin is a fierce advocate for melanoma research and survivors, but he began his work after his wife ultimately passed away after a four-year battle with melanoma. I want to provide a warning for those who might be dealing with recent loss, as we do discuss stories of grief and hope in today's episode. I'd love if we could start out, if you'd be willing to share your journey with us and with our listeners. It began in August of 2004. You kind of remember things like that. And uh, my wife had a spot on her lower back, just below the waistband. Actually, we hadn't noticed it. I hadn't noticed it until it actually kind of scabbed over and started bleeding. So that meant it had gone quite a ways, but we really knew nothing about skin cancer. So we went to the dermatologist and he looked at it. He, he knew it was melanoma. I mean, he, but he said, you know, you still have to go to biop- biopsy. So he took, took a small piece and sent it in. But right then actually made an appointment with the, the oncologist for the next week because he knew the results would be back and knew. And we actually said the words, you know, well, at least it's only skin cancer, not knowing how serious it can actually be when you catch, especially when you catch it later. And then it went through a process of nodal biopsy, you know, you put a little dye in it and see where that had been uh, feeding into. And then the way melanoma works, it feeds into the lymph node system, then feeds the rest of the body. It's very systemic. It's not a, it's not, once it's, it's moved beyond the end of the lymph system, it's in your body. It's part of you. Uh, you can't just cut it out. It isn't going to happen anymore. So she went through some immunotherapy for a year. They did remove some lymph nodes and the spot. Uh, about, about a year after finishing that first round, she felt a lump under her arm, went back for scans here to move to the liver now. Mm. Uh, then in that at that time, this was 2006 immunotherapy had not been invented yet. We were still, there was, there was the IL-2 interleukin, which is a really horrific treatment. I, you, you think chemo is bad, but this is intensive care for a week to have this stuff put through you. And this, and they were straightforward. The survival rate was only 3%. And the doctor said, but don't worry about that. Worry about surviving three months. He says, just three months at a time and waiting for any new developments, because that's about once things start going, once immunotherapy took hold, it was about every three months, there'd be a new, new, new wrinkle, new, new way to try something. And right near the end, she did do a clinical study for the first of the popular immunotherapies we now have, the ipilimumab which uh, unfortunately didn't, she didn't respond to it. And then towards the end, the last week, it just, it's, it's amazing how fast melanoma will work once it's in the body. It's, it's very rapid. I mean, from one day to the next, she went from being able to walk around to being bedridden. It just was immediate. And then we ended up bringing in hospice and uh, losing her there at home in, in uh, May of 2008. I am so sorry for your loss. Yeah. And uh, you had kids at home, right? Yeah. My son was uh, 22 at the time and my daughter was 12. So my son was about a year from getting married. But my daughter, of course, you know, was 
still at home being raised. We are, my daughter and I are very close for obvious reasons. So, but you know, she was really, we really, when it comes to kids and cancer, when family has it, my advice is don't lie. Tell them the truth, even if it's hard, because they, they'll know a lie, you know, and what they'll imagine is worse than what it is. So in that respect, we were very open with her. So that led into once she passed, my daughter and I were very open about our feelings. So that made I hate saying recovering from grief, but addressing the grief was was better for us because we could talk about it. She even said it was a couple of years later. She said, you know, what kind of person would I have been? Was there a purpose to loss? You know, what would I have been like had I had my mom have lived and not been raised by me? She said she's really philosophical about that, about, you know, how did that change or how did that lead her into the life she had. Well, that's a, a really, really beautiful way to look at, look at life and look at the, the growth that we can have both in life and afterlife and how people we might lose continue to live on with us even after, after loss. She did say, you know, we both have, we got, you know, your rose colored, we have grief colored glasses. We recognize things that other people who haven't had a loss understanding grief it's like uh it's not something you can explain to someone it's it's like trying to explain color to someone who's blind from life until you experience it you you can't understand what it truly is i i want to um acknowledge that you have done some incredible work over the last what has it now been 12 years or so since that time, you know, volunteering and then taking that memory and, and making it into something incredible research, volunteering, new organizations. Can you share a little bit about how you initially got involved and did you pick the work? Did the work pick you? Where, where did you start? Well, you know, I, my first, I just decided, well, May. May's a melanoma awareness month anyway. So around the anniversary of her, her passing, I would make up with the ABCDE, you know, of awareness and just post them in the local town. Uh, I, they were having a aim at melanoma walk in Portland. And so I got involved with that. And the more I became involved with that, you know, volunteering, I was working with OHSU and was noticed and uh, they asked me to join as a a research advocate. So I'm a scientific research advocate for more for grant partnerships, reading proposals. And then also now I coordinate the AIM at Melanoma Walk and AIM at Melanoma, they're a national organization. So if you go on their website, there's walks in they hope to eventually have one in every state, but there's there's a lot of them now. So every year there's a walk and you can look and see if you can find one local or or just donate remotely to any of the walks. We have ours in Portland coming up on May 7th, but uh, they vary throughout the dates, you know, depending on geographic location. So you go kind of with the weather for the best times to do it. But there's there's a you know there's a good more dozen or more walks every year now. So and our walk specifically, every walk, aim walk is for a local donation for something that's happened locally. For us, we have a 
primary tissue bank that's been built and being maintained there in Oregon. So that's what our our donations are going to is our primary tissue bank, which is extremely important for research because primary tissues often often you're not saving something until it's maybe secondary tissue. But the, the with melanoma, the first original location, the first original tumor is really important to researchers to figure out what's the best treatment to start with. And that's, that's one of the keys now everyone's looking for, you know, genetic markers or what, so they can decide right to begin with which, which treatment to start with, because melanoma adapts so quickly, anything you use longer than three months stops working and you got to change it. The individualized therapy is you know, on, on the cusp and is working a little now. And that's exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. It's yeah. The research they've been doing on the, the targeted, targeted therapy. You'll look up, you'll see, you know, you'll see the terms targeted therapy more often. We have a program they just started there in clinical studies of smart serial measurement of molecular architecture of responding therapies, which they actually will take a tumor and look at, at the molecular level to see what the treatment has done to it and then make a decision as to whether they need to continue with what they're doing or to change it to something else. The advancements that have happened in the last just five to 10 years, I think that we've seen have been pretty, pretty miraculous. And it sounds like you have from posting the flyers of the, the mold treatments to now getting down, it sounds into some of the most advanced treatments that are cutting edge on the market. What is there a, pro- a project you're working on right now in particular that you're most excited about or, or most looking forward to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've recently taken a diversity, equity, and inclusive, inclusiveness training. And I've noticed with our, we're moving along with, with our fundraising and advocacy work, but we're leaving out people of color. And there's this misunderstanding that people of color are immune to cancer because of their skin color. And what happens is they, they are less likely to get cutaneous melanoma, but there are many subtypes, you know, there's ocular but in the, in, in the case of people of color, it's acromelanoma, which appears only on the palms of the hand, soles of the feet, the heels, and under the nails. And yep. this one is genetically different. The treatments we have don't really work with it. It's much more aggressive. And what we have now for how to check for melanoma doesn't work for checking for acryl, it looks different. You know, it'll look just like a bruise. It won't be multicolored. It might be a straight line under a nail. It does not look like the, the normal cutaneous. So we have to get better about getting more information out that to the right people so that they know what to look for and when to look for it. Absolutely. What I see them, usually it is a little more advanced, unfortunately, because until it starts bleeding or hurting or bothering, them, they're usually not coming in with a concern about it so that it, it can be more advanced. Although, you know, some people are catching them early and they're able to preserve their digit and also have it not spread. But that is a concern, as Robin mentioned, that it's just that delay in diagnosis and missing that early detection. 
because that makes all the difference in life or death. Well, we, we say melanoma is the cancer you can see. I mean, most cancers you don't see, but this is one that's, it's not all the, you know, most of the time, 99% of the time, it's going to be visible to the naked eye. Mm -hmm. And if you know, if you're even keeping a little bit of a watch out, and then we hear in stories, uh, what was it, the hockey player, where this fan mm -hmm. noticed the spot on the back of one of oh, their yeah. neck and pointed it out. I, there's a TikTok video of someone where someone watching them said, hey, there's a spot, you should get it checked out. And turned out to be melanoma and that happens i mean it sees something say something i don't i don't hesitate if i'm in a grocery store and i see something on someone i'll strike up a conversation and tell them about it tell them to consider having it looked at i, I can't diagnose but i can tell them it's suspicious enough that you should get it looked at that can take a bit of courage to do that yeah, yeah. Uh, you really are courageous you guys, you guys ever watch any of the Marvel movies? Of course. Okay. In uh, well, Civil War, uh, one of the first meetings with Tony Stark, Spider-Man, Tom Holland. His character says, "says when and for me, it's like when you have knowledge like mine, and you don't do something about it, and something bad happens, that's on you. If yeah. I don't, you know, if I don't do something about it." If I can, I, it's my fault. So I kind of, I kind of take that inspiration from that. You need to make, you need to make a difference. If you aren't using part of your life to make a difference, you're kind of wasting your life. Everyone has a little bit of time to do something somewhere to help others. And you sharing your story is, I would say, doing just that even right now. One of the things we talk about uh, often is especially when we're talking about, you know, men and skin cancer there, mm. there's obviously a lot of knowledge around tanning beds. Like, you know, maybe don't go in a tanning bed because that's not good for you. Or, you know, there's these other things, but that this question of like, do you really need to, to take care of your skin every day? Like, is there really that big of a difference if you're not investing in your skin and these small little micro changes or micro behaviors? Right. Yeah. Yeah, societal change to to get that attitude that it's it's something you need to take care of. Of course, of course men we're habitually bad about not wanting to go to the doctor or putting up with a pain or something else for way too long. So I, I became a little more. Hey, I can't let my uh, daughter lose her father. So mm -hmm. I became a lot more aware of my own health then and made it to all my doctor's appointments. Yeah, you know, priorities get set that way. Mm -hmm. No, and especially I think to your point, very easy to joke about, you know, oh, I was supposed to see the doctor last week, but then I had to take my dog to the vet and then I had to go to this <laughs> other thing. And I think to your a big takeaway in this story also is, you know, just your health matters first. It matters yeah. to, you know, get something checked out, especially when it comes to your skin. Because now there's, you know, if you can go in early, your chances are, are very high and it's very, strong. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and then the, my, and then I have, I've had melanoma and mine was, I think it's the traditional, I went in for a spot on my chest that wouldn't heal. I was certain it wasn't melanoma, but was thinking it might be basal cell just because it's nature. I knew enough from photos and stuff, what, what it should look like. And he checked and it was nothing, but then he just did a complete spin check. 
skin check, the spot on my back I didn't know about was the melanoma. Mm-hmm. So, and it was in situ. It was, you oh, know, right. still, yeah. yeah, still on the surface. So, you know, you know, took it out. He says the nice thing about the back, the skin, I could, he could take extra, an extra margin. The whole margin is important. And, and with skin on the back, it's easy to stretch. So it's not, not too hard to work with. So Can you and explain then, for course, those who might, might not know just in terms oh. of in situ and, and what that would mean versus, you know, something else? Oh, sure, sure. It has, it is still in sight. It has not progressed deep enough to have entered the lymph system or into the fatty tissues and then in the lymph and then into the blood system. So in situ meant it was on the very surface of the skin because it grows down, melanoma will grow down these roots and then invade the body on systemically on the whole. So when you can catch it in situ, it's just you know, removal. And then of course you keep checking for a couple of years, you know, to make sure nothing else. Cause you know, melanoma, you know, sometimes it's environmental. It's just as likely to be genetic. It then almost as likely to have no real explanation of a cause as well. And then my wife and I grew up in the same neighborhood, you know, same age, same, we had the same social experience. So we had the same exposures to the sun and stuff. So, you know, so I figured that was enough of a similarity to, to keep an eye out since we were both exposed to the same, same amount of weather. Just going to step back a little bit talking about growing up, same weather, same habits, had you prior to any of these experiences, you know, was skin health care, skin cancer, was that something that was ever really in your radar, your family's radar prior to this experience? Absolutely not. And the idea of what was healthy skin, well, you know, from the seventies and eighties, my wife was out in the backyard with baby oil laid in the sun because that was that was healthy a tan was healthy the tanning bed she actually did some tanning beds for a short time that was considered the healthy thing was to be in the sun and and when we went into it we had no idea what skin cancer or melanoma was when until until we got forced to educate ourselves but you know the perceptions are changing it's getting better i I'd, I'd, i'd like to see the the like the 24-hour fitness places to get rid of their tanning beds. I think it starts young and it starts with the habits as a parent, like you were saying, the habits you can help for your kids or, but it's never, I think another lesson, you know, it's never too late to start investing in, in your skin and in your skin health to, to stay healthy. The wonderful work you're doing is an inspiration for everyone. I have to admit, you know, when you see you've made a difference, it gets very addictive. <laughs> I think that's the the first thing I did. I was pulling out the flyers, but I wasn't doing much. But what I did do was my work. Um, they allowed me to take some time off. I had a lot of sick leave, but I couldn't access it because it was not an FMLA rule for death death of a family member. You can take it for care of a family member or medical leave for yourself, but for a death, you couldn't use it. So I thought, well, maybe I, I had watched uh, as legislation changed to allow for care of a family member. So I called my legislator and made an appointment and 
said, hey, can we change the Oregon Family Leave Act to allow death of a family member to access your FMLA, you know, benefits? And so I spent three years passing that, getting that law made and passed. And Oregon now is the only state that has that where you can use FMLA two weeks of it within six, six, within 60 days. He says, because the legislator is working with you with was a uh, National Guardsman. And he says, sometimes when you're National Guard, you'll be in Oregon and maybe your parents are living in, you know, across the country. And so you'll need to make arrangements to get out. So you have 60 days to use it. And, and FMLA, it's not technically not paid, but it allows you access to your, your sick leave benefits oh, wow. and uh, vacation benefits. So then, then I actually ran into people that got to take time off because of that. And so that was a very real experience for me. And so, boy, well, one person can make a difference. I'm going to transport you to North Carolina and then I'm going to transport (laughs) you to New York and we're going to have you calling up every legislator in every state. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was that was the response I got most of the time was, well, isn't it that way already? You know, uh, yeah. Is there anything that you do to help take care of your skin, to help take care of your overall, you know, mental, physical health? You know, when you think about health holistically, is there anything that you do to stay healthy? One of, one of the things is I always have a hat. There's always hats in the car. And I, I there's a, actually a store I love called Sunday Afternoons. Mm-hmm. And I've got multiple hats. from My daughter picked one up for me that actually the, the bill and everything has a crease in it. So it folds and can go into your pocket. So you can, so yeah, I've always have a hat somewhere near me and I always try to keep some sunblock. It's a little hard to keep in the car because it has a tendency to get warm and <laughs> starts leaking out all over everywhere through the cap or anything. So I always have every year, every year, if I haven't finished up, I start, I get a fresh bottle of sunblock to have around and the sample you the bottle you sent me that's amazing uh that is yeah that goes on so clear you know you don't even know it's there so i'm really happy to have that plus the the way the dispenser works that is so much that is i've never seen anything like that That is so i'm I'm anxious to show it to my daughters you know uh, that's just so so much easier to use well, so glad to hear that for one. And also it just sounds like you're taking very good care of your, your health and your skin overall. Um, and I have a, a website, it just connects to my Facebook page, but you know, I post the events that are happening and, and information on that, uh, and soul survivors as in soul S O L the sun. Mm, so yeah. we are, we are soul survivors. Well, we'll definitely attach any links below if there's if there's other links or other videos uh, for people to go up and keep in touch and keep following your journey and everything that you're doing. But I think that wraps things up. So thank you again so much, Robin. We are so incredibly blessed and thrilled to have you. And uh, we will talk soon. All right. Thank you for having me. I hope 